on this edition of the Poundcast, we dive right into the new Twitter feature, Moments. Uh, we talk about the app that everyone hates, People. And we even jump into a little Netflix and chill. Are you guys pumped? <laughs> pumped. Pumped. Oh, yeah. And we're going to share our digital picks. So joining us for another episode of the Poundcast, as always co-host Nick Kewen. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing great, Jackson. How are you? I'm excited, but also nervous because there's three of us today. We have Pound and Grain managing partner, Sandy Fleischer. Yeah, don't, don't be nervous. I, I thought I'd be nervous, <laughs> but there's a certain air of confidence in the room. That, um, I feel it. Yeah. I think, it's uh, well. I think that's the, the remnants of our Toronto office, Pumpkintoberfest. Uh, soiree from last night, so that could still be lingering in the air. Could be. Uh, uh, but ultimately an icebreaker to ease us into the pound cast. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the playoffs in baseball start this afternoon. Very exciting. Yes. And some of us may or may not be going to that. So Some of us. We're on the edge of our seats <laughs> uh, about uh, Toronto Blue Jays fever. So, are you guys ready to talk about some digital marketing Nuggets of awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the energy level from Sandy is palpable. He's, he's is there, can, you, can you fix that in post somehow? <laughs> <laughs> to make you more exciting? Yeah. Exciting? Uh, possibly. Uh, so let's start with Twitter. Something that, that uh, has lots of news going on. Jack Dorsey back as the CEO. I think they've made that permanent. Mm -hmm. And then this week they rolled out a new feature called uh, Moments. Moments. Yeah. Is that exciting? Are you excited? I saw it on Tuesday for the first uh, baseball playoff game, the wild card game, and they kind of rolled it out for um, the Yankees-Astros game. So, I mean, basically what it is is kind of more of a curated visual... um, Kind of look at Twitter, so it doesn't they don't feel like tweets anymore? They feel like mm-hmm. a lot more like Snap. I mean, it felt like yeah. a Snapchat kind of thing. Sure. Sure. But yeah. it is, it's like Twitter just sort of you know backtracking on uh, adding like a news aggregator, right? Because that's actually what it is. Yeah, it feels it feels like it's yeah it's curating like places and times and and kind of events um, in a different kind of way. Yeah, you know, to me, it, it, it seems like it, it was a really big attempt by Twitter to make their functionality uh, more, more accessible, you know, as, as they're, you know, pushing to go more mainstream uh, and, and, you know, grow their user base. I think, you know, one of the criticisms they, they've had is, is that it hasn't been super accessible for, for, let's say, you know, more mainstream users and, you know, particularly... Uh, it can be tough to dive in and understand the context of a story that's unfolding. So this, you know, it's a great mechanism to do that. So, so this is a feature to attract new users more than to enhance the experience of current users. Uh, well, I, I think you know a bit of both, and you know, of course, the the uh, of course, you know, another important aspect is is it's a great new opportunity for monetization, and that's clearly something uh, Twitter's been struggling with, and I think. You know, to your point, Jackson, uh, they, they clearly have been watching Snapchat and seeing how that's been unfolding and, and, and taking some lessons from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just, it, like, for, for big events, like, I think of the baseball and, and even politics, like, elections and, and, and places where people are looking for 
rapid fire information. I, yeah, I think it it does like elevate Twitter more into a, like a, a visual look at things versus the 140 characters that kind of has driven their um, platform for so long. It, mm-hmm. it feels like a much more maybe maybe not directed at the millennials mm-hmm. per se, but like it it definitely feels like it's their their way to go in and, and sort of like go pound for pound versus Facebook and Snapchat on a kind of visual level. Well, you know, pundits are, are always a little sensational, but the one article that I read sort of said that this is a make or break for Twitter in terms of uh, usership. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, it's, it, I mean, that's been the headlines for like six, seven months and, you know, uh, why Dorsey's back there. I think they're looking at... They're not growing as fast as the other platforms. Um, Instagram's kind of like taken off. Snapchat is huge. There's, you know, all these competitors and Twitter, you know, just hasn't kept up to the pace of, of kind of what people are, are, are looking for. I mean, we, we all <coughs> use Twitter a lot, but oh, I got so verklempt just talking about <laughs> Twitter. Oh, so emotion- This is the most emotional poundcast we've ever had. Well, it, 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 there are three of us here, yeah, and yeah. the dynamics are slightly different. I know. Yeah. You, can, you can just feel the energy. It's very, it's very serious. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I would imagine if they don't kind of keep innovating and changing what Twitter is, they're not going to be able to grow and com- compete. So I think from to bring it back for marketers, this idea of the moment seems like a really great way for them to sort of get into the, the sort of um, Twitter feeds in a new way, in a, a mm-hmm. visual way, the same way that the kind of Snapchat is kind of monetizing that on their end. You know, it, it's been interesting to see that the, the transition of, of the product over, you know, the last several years. And, and initially, you know, Twitter emerged as a platform where, you know, no one was quite sure what to do with it, and, you know, first and foremost. The company itself and it, and it really evolved and you know everything from users pushing the use of hashtags and it was really a, a, a quirky tool and, and definitely not for everyone so it's been interesting to see as it's made this transition to keep up to date and to you know be more of a of, of a mainstream tool you know will, will, will that mean it alienates its base and, and lose the people and the and lose what it had before in terms of its quirkiness that made it such a unique and interesting tool. Yeah. So, I got to say, personally, I'm not super excited. <laughs> there you go. Moments isn't, uh, it's, it's not, not something that I'm going to rush out uh, to. Uh, well, your tweet game is not very, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not very big anyway. I, let's be honest. It's not big. <laughs> Once again, I'm a, I'm a Twitter voyeur, and moments isn't really, uh, isn't really throwing me, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll give it, you know. Totally. Give it the benefit of the doubt. I'll give it three days. Uh, exactly three days. I, I do think for, 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 you know, for some brands, it does present an opportunity to activate uh, on events as they're unfolding. And that's, again, you know, maybe why, uh, from an advertiser's perspective, Snapchat has created such a buzz. So, whether it's a sporting event like you know the uh, the, uh, the upcoming Jays series, things like that, I think could be really exciting for for marketers to get to, to get in at yeah. that level. Yeah, that's good. Well, it, uh, I think we use Twitter every day. Well, <coughs> some of us in the room use Twitter every day. <laughs> uh, 
So Jason, your, your tweet game is strong. It's true. It's yeah. been a little weak this uh, this week. Week week yeah. Week week yeah. Uh, it hasn't been at top of its form because we've been you know par- party planning and, mm-hmm. and and busy. We got like crew from Vancouver office in town. So it's, it, uh, my tweet game has suffered because mm-hmm. of it. You'll bounce back. I'll bounce back. I'm gonna tweet up at the at the game today. So oh, I imagine. Yeah. You know, I also read that uh, Twitter's thinking of removing its character limit on its yeah. tweets. That's, yeah. That's an interesting one. That's rewriting the constitution, if you will. Yeah, I think they're they're going to gonna how try. much. I uh, you know, great question. I don't know. Well, one additional character. One forty one. It's interesting. I'm not not to. That, that, that I'm not sneaking in a separate subtopic, but it was interesting this morning. There's lots of change afoot from, you know, former Twitter guys. The Medium um, made a big, big announcement today to like open up their API more to give u- users more control over their own domains and use um, Medium as the publishing uh, tool to publish to WordPress or publish to blogger or publish to your own website so you can maintain your URLs um, and kind of use the API to drive the the publishing experience. So mm-hmm. I've been experimenting a lot with Medium in the last couple of weeks as well. So Very cool. How's that going? It's funny because I, I read a quote saying someone said they don't use Microsoft Word to write their articles anymore. They write directly in Medium because it's such a nice environment to, to write with. Wow. I'm not really there yet, but but it is a nice as opposed to like maybe entering it your your article in a traditional WordPress or a blog backend. Mm-hmm. The medium just you're in the art of kind of visual storytelling right there as you're putting the pieces together that you can like you know instantly block quote it, have the picture, the text goes over top of the picture. You can you know kind of play around with it. Amazing. Um, <coughs> really quickly. Yeah. Sounds like you're a fan of that one. I am, yeah. But not, you're not completely thrown. Um, no, not yet. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I heard they're thinking of shortening their character. <laughs> <laughs> That's one, it, it doesn't really work well unless it's, it's long format. Like the short articles there just feel really weird. Mm-hmm. It, it, it mm-hmm. kind of drives length, which is interesting. That was, yeah. a, I, I snuck a sub- very sneaky topic in there. Yeah, for you guys. did. And just threw you. I, I declare I reserve the right to sneak in a subtopic at some point <laughs> in this or a future podcast. I would call this like like a if to use a wrestling metaphor. This is a no holds barred match. You can okay. do it. You can do whatever you want. Cage you want match. Them. Yeah, cage. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerous. Uh, how about we move on to um, people? People. So Nick, do you want to like give us a little like like intro of what? People is beyond the well, people, it's Yelp for people. Well, that's that's what it is. So it's Yelp for people. Yeah. But um, so there's a lot of controversy about it, <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. That hasn't stopped apparently thousands of people from. It's, it's going to be confusing talking about this. I'm talking about people. I'm going to have to use drop the word people when talking about the app people. <laughs> I think maybe if you adapt a slightly yeah. different pronunciation of one people. versus the other. <laughs> um, users, thousands of users have already signed up for the, uh, the beta testing and uh, are addicted to it, apparently. But the invasive nature of it is, is what's a problem because you choose somebody, anybody, and rate them. And they have no say in being a part of this. So, you know, much like you would with a restaurant. 
I suppose. Yeah. So, um, you know, my initial thoughts about it is, is a horrible thing. It's not, it's not, <laughs> I mean, morally, this is this is not a good uh, not, not a good app. But I could also say that I could have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> Just lambasting people I don't like. Yeah, it is the, the Yelp metaphor or kind of like driver of it is really interesting because you know Yelp is kind of one of the worst things oh, yeah. out there. Like it, it's uh, uh, I'm always fascinated by the reviews on Yelp. Are like I had the most amazing dinner, except I didn't like the spoon. One star, yeah. <laughs> and just like you're just like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? Like from working in the restaurant industry, I've seen uh, places you know struggle based on Yelp reviews, and I always think it's a horrible thing. You have one bad experience, uh, but people look at it and take it as something that is really you know uh, a statement about how your experience will be every time you go to that place. Mm. And it, it seems very unfair. That was slack. Oh no. Well, that's okay. You got a lot awkward. going on there. Awkward. Yeah. Awkward. But, uh, <laughs> Who's the multitasker? <laughs> <in the podcast? laughs> this podcast brought to you by Slack. <laughs> but I think that nobody would use people. It's like the, you know, it's just the do unto others sort of rule. Like, would anybody want to have people directed at them, the app people? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do, do they want to be rated? Nobody wants to be rated. <laughs> no, unless it's like in some sort of um, only thumbs up yeah. world, like yeah. sort of Facebook. All, all five stars. Yeah. All likes. What about you, Sandy? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think a lot on this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank goodness. I, 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 I think, well, it's interesting that there's been such universal universal derision. So I, I think maybe it's interesting to argue why we should have that app. No, just kidding. Um, I think, you know, what's interesting to me is clearly this has struck a nerve with the, with the internet, uh, with everyone out there. And it's, it's interesting to think about why. Is it because things like Yelp and, and their ilk are irking people? I just said ilk and irk in the same <laughs> sentence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm going to pause and reflect on that. But it's like, you know, are, are, we, are we building this... this Tower of Babel of of ratings or quantification and and is this a bit of a backlash? Like, is mm. it, it's just been really interesting to think about? You know, clearly on one level, the, the the idea is asinine, but I think it's given the the, the force behind the derision. I, there's more to it, so it's it's interesting to look at that from a cultural perspective. I also think it's really uh, interesting that it's the Yelp of, and you know, so I started thinking, what other things can we do that are the of people? Like, mm -hmm. you know, so. That, that's interesting. Like the Google Docs of people. I don't know what that <laughs> would be, but uh, you know, I, 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 I think. Well, you could be rating people professionally. Yeah, or, or the Google Translate of people. What the hell's Jackson really saying? <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I think that's an interesting uh, area. I, I also think, uh, you know what? What like I was like, what other nasty things can we do from an entrepreneurial perspective? What about a social network aggregator that compiles all of people's worst moments in social? You know, for a prospective love interest to peruse, or maybe an empl potential employer, mm -hmm. that could be an interesting one too. Dude, I think we should get on that right <laughs> yeah. now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's been a fascinating one for me, I, and also I. Uh, 
you know, just just seeing, uh, you know, the founders really try to put a positive spin on what they're doing and how it will raise humanity has been, yeah, I think, I think that's fairly thin. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> so I that's think been interesting. this is like, you know, teenagers now just naturally deal with cyberbullying. That is a thing that they, 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 you know, that's a part of the teenage life. But this will extend cyberbullying to, to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are... One of the main things I was talking about is rating dates. It's like nobody wants that. Nobody wants their date rated the next day. That's like that's a horrible thing. Unless it was good rating. So, so well, what's yeah. I just assume that nobody would. That's the other the, the the Yelp principle is, you know, people rarely go on to say anything positive. So I don't think know why they do any different with people. You, you know what's interesting? Just to to contrast that, to, let to, just to put. Give some hope for humanity. You know, I, I am an avid uh, airbnb both on the uh, host side and on the guest side, if you will. Mm. And, you know, what's been interesting is I'm, I'm really proud of the, uh, the ratings we get. But, um, you know, just in, in digging a bit more into that, it, it seems like in general, and not speaking to our place because it is perfect and awesome, mm-hmm. but you know, definitely. And right now we've got some opening in February. So, uh, <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Sandy's Airbnb. But, in Vancouver. but definitely, there's been a lot of criticisms of the review mechanism for people who stay at someone's place always blanket giving it four or five stars mm-hmm. because once that personal connection has been made you've met your host people are typically quite hesitant to give a negative review to contrast that with people who go into a restaurant and right. you know go off on a rant because uh, the spoon had a flick of a fleck of dust on it or it was the wrong shape yes <laughs> maybe that's just it maybe Admittedly, it's my insecurities coming out because maybe somebody would give me good reviews if I was on people. If I, I was, if I, I, think, people, I think many people would. Never yeah, but it's just that that possibility. Yeah, that I get a one star or whatever. It's interesting. Like, isn't that the thing with with people on Uber that people just give blanket five star ratings for their Uber drivers because in the back end, like they can prioritize. The people who give out better ratings as better customers, and then hmm. the cars come for you faster. If you, there's some sort of thing I've read about. So you're incentivized. You're incentivized to give five star ratings across the board because then they think you're an awesome um, guest host and uh, or a or a passenger. And uh, I did not know that. That's yeah. I know that. Yeah. So always five star apparently. <laughs> That's the or it's a, or it's like a dirty or dirty rumor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So like I would think that's maybe you know similar kind of thing. Like when I've stayed at Airbnbs, I want them because you have to review and then like they say nice things about you. Like thanks for taking care of our place and stuff. So, but they right. It's an exchange of thank you for staying. Give me a review. It's a bit of log rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is yeah. an interesting yeah. process. So I you know I think maybe everyone could next level it and do the Amazon review the reviewers, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. can, can start uh, exploring it that way to really validate, well, is this review of, of, of worth based yeah. on what other people say? I think that the, the only last thing I want to talk about people, mm-hmm. the app, not people, yeah. people, uh, homegrown in Canada, right? Calgary, right? Yeah, it's really yeah, so like okay, I'm behind it now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so, you're so where, where is it at right now, by the way? 
is it is it is it dead or is it you know VCs throwing money at it? I don't know. I, I, I tried to read the Calgary Herald article before we started here, but but it was just more describing it. I thought they were going to give us a, a status update. So. Be, because maybe to your point, you know, Nick, you were saying earlier that a lot of people were were I, whether I don't. It's not available, right, mm -hmm. at this point, but whether they'd signed up for it. It could be one of those things where everyone hates, but every, everyone secretly wants to use. Yeah, that is true. I can just envision a future where everybody stays on their best behavior with strangers <laughs> <laughs> at all times, just walking on eggshells so they don't get a bad people review. Or, like, at the end of a date, both if people, uh, both of the people on a date would discuss, you know, so give me a good review. I guess that kind of already happens with Tinder. <laughs> Tinder-esque. I mean, it's a, it's a logical next yeah. step from Tinder. Yeah. It, I think the only the, the, the other interesting thing is just like how many more um, niche kind of controversy apps are out there. Like, you know, not just people rating, but like there's probably other like really particular places where entrepreneurs just haven't cracked the, mm -hmm. the idea. But like... You know, Sandy already had like five good ideas based on that. I know. I'm sorry. I just got an, I've been funded. I just got an email. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not even on the air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this isn't live? No. 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 We should start doing some. We should start doing them live to YouTube. That's how we should do it. Without a net. Yeah, no net. No um, net. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah. Yeah, we need that. I need that, that safety. We'd have to start wearing pants for one. Which is <laughs> highly awkward. No way. Yeah. I just, you know. Uh, so maybe moving on from people, uh, one of well, it's perfect that Sandy is here because if there's one person I know in the world who is, I would rate him five stars on being a Netflix expert. Uh, <laughs> if you could, thanks, Jackson. If Netflix could could rate you, but but there was this this um, I think I can use it like cute little project that they did with with a company that's the Netflix and chill button um, stuff. And I thought of you instantly when we added this to our kind of rundown because you've been known to tinker in the. Um, uh, you know, uh, build it yourself kind of things with your Raspberry Pi, um, Wait, you know, the server you set up for your son for his Minecraft and stuff like that. So this is like instructions to help you build your own version of this Netflix button, and they give you all the instructions. And well, what does the Netflix button do? Great question. Well, that's the thing. It, you could make it do anything, but it's like sort of get you in that ultimate zone and kind of connect your Netflix to, you know, your lights and stuff to give you, get in your chills, your chill zone. I read, the, the, at least the way the one was set yeah. up, is it immediately dimmed the lights yeah. and, and ordered Thai takeout. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds perfect. It does sound perfect, actually. It's hard to argue with that. Yeah. Although maybe you're not hungry, but that's, it's showing up anyways. Uh, yeah. It, it's it, part of the experience. Yeah, like what would your, what would your ultimate... Netflix button. Well, well, just just to clarify, because Netflix and chill means having sex, right? right. So you're asking me like my favorite. Well, I know you don't like, do that. You just been watching Vikings. Vikings. Is that what you're watching? Yes, but that's not available on Netflix. Oh, right. uh, but I but I uh, I binge watched it on cable TV when, right. when it was broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have been binge watching Narcos a bit. That's uh, that's one. Yeah. I press that button. Narcos yeah. would come up. Yeah. 
but it's it, but the whole uh, the whole concept of Netflix, Netflix and chill has like we're at peak Netflix and chill. It's it is peak <laughs> and trending downwards yes. quickly because now there's buttons to help you set the mood, which is fascinating, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. The only problem that I saw is that uh, as I read it, you should be comfortable with a soldering iron and have a solid understanding of electronics and programming before embarking on your journey. One switch. Yeah, it's not like an easy. No, it's, it's not, not an easy thing to do. No. They, they could just build them for you and set. I would buy one. Yeah. I don't think that I want to solder anything personally, but. I, but I like that we're in this like realm. Of, I'm gonna bring it back to digital marketing here for you, Sandy. Thank you. We're in this like button for everything kind of thing. You know, there's the Amazon like button totally. things that they launched, which which we thought was. At April Fool's right last year, but was no. You, you can have your button on the side of your laundry machine, and when you're out of tide, you know, press the button, and it'll automatically order deliver your stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think we just bloomed I, next I, month. I, I thought about this, <laughs> and I'm like, what? What's the logical conclusion of this aside from idiocracy? Um, it's. I pictured. So let's say I have a panel of twenty buttons. One uh, to order new detergent, one to set the mood uh, with the appropriate viewing, uh, you know, one to order food. Then what I'd need to do is maybe layer a few buttons in front of those if I wanted to do a combination of things in my other buttons. Ooh. So it could get, yeah, you could really next level it. This is the inception of buttons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Buttons yeah. upon buttons it's, upon it's, buttons. It's, it's, it's a bit... You know, it can get recursive pretty quickly here. But, uh, yeah, and I guess, you know, it's just a bunch of big buttons near the bed. and Mission control. <laughs> it seems That's, like you, I've seen the future. Yeah, you, you would like that. What, what, what would be a button that you would, like, the one button that you don't have that you would like to have? I, a button to... Uh, Put on a record and walk the dog, maybe? It would be pretty Ooh, ideal. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I want an eject so I can just blast off if I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> not enjoying my situation. Or since I'm living in a, in, in a nightmare of buttons, a self destruct. Mm. So, but it would give me a countdown, like an alien. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to think, I was trying to think of the button that I'd want. I think I'd want. A button for watching Jay's games that I clicked, it changed the channel to Sportsnet, uh, brought the the uh, lights down, mm -hmm. locked my doors uh, after delivering a cold six pack of a beer and maybe some hot wings. Actually, and that would be an amazing button to have. That'd be I, I'm changing button. my button. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I want, I want that one. <laughs> But the, the buttons seem to be like the, the future uh, of uh, of digital marketing. So clearly, yeah, we need to get a we need to get a button game on, Sandy. Okay. <laughs> send your, send your emails in. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, um, those are some really good topics, good discussions. Now, maybe we talk about little internet goodies we have. That uh, like your kitten, Sandy. Like, what, what dead mouse can we bring to the feet of our listeners uh, of of digital marketing? Good times. What do what do what do you have, what do you have for us? You know, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. No, no. It's uh, you know, I just prior to the, this, I I started thinking about that, and I was. Uh, 
checking a few things out. It was a bit of a process for me. I, I started and really was captivated with a vine of uh, someone feeding watermelons to a hippo. But I don't really know if ultimately that meets meets the mandate here. And, you know, from there I found, I made some <laughs> I, notes. I, I made I, some I, notes. There's this lot, this giant list of notes. Yeah, I know. This is gonna, you guys might want to relax. It's going to take a while. And from, from there I found um, a site that uh, basically tells you how to make your favorite Disney princess out of hot dogs. And I thought that was really interesting because there's, you know, I know, uh, I don't know, do we add links later? How does this work? Okay, good. So, yeah, because this one, radio does not do it justice. I'm just looking for it here. There there are some, and you know, I've got a, a, a son who's not very into princesses, but got some friends who've got daughters and, you know, I, I get how, how crazy everyone gets about Frozen. And to be able to recreate that princess experience with an edible hot dog, that's that's pretty cool. So there's... That was and, the, the talk of the, the grade school after the birthday oh, here party. We go, yeah. That was a yeah, this set. is just helping me for visual inspiration. But there, you know, just so you can see them here too, Nick, they're... You know, those, those not only look uh, faithful to the princesses they represent, they look really tasty. And, and there's step-by-step <laughs> instructions on how to make these. And it, and it just got me to thinking, I think for any parent, YouTube is both a godsend and, and the devil's instrument. You know, there, I, I can sit down with my son and we can say, well, what if, how would we make one of these? You know, you go to YouTube and there's probably about 15 different videos on how to MacGyver anything with any material. And it's great. They're awesome Sunday afternoon. Yeah. On the other hand, he's, you know, a click away from something that I haven't even ever thought of that will scar his brain forever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. YouTube and parenting. That's an interesting topic. Maybe I, a whole I, other podcast. I always think if you're a kid now... And you are focused. You could learn anything. You know what I mean? Totally. Like anybody totally. could, I guess. But like, if you want to, like, when I learned how to play guitar, I always learned it. Uh, I learned songs from tablature, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in guitar magazines that I had. Now you can go on YouTube and, and look up any song in the world and be taught it. Yeah. It's like having a private tutor. But then again, the the focus is an issue as well because yeah. in the next second you might look up. How do I ride a unicycle or something like that? You know, like how do I how do I do anything? That, anyways, yeah, YouTube, great time. But but no, I'm not I'm not there yet. Oh, I'm not done, Jack. I'm gonna share more. This is I told you it was a process. So I ultimately <laughs> I thought you know that that really wasn't it, and then I, I ended up and this this is still the penultimate one. Can I? Is that okay? Might. What is that? That's that's <laughs> yeah. the one before the real one. Yes. <laughs> so I, I I came upon this site uh, population.io, and and basically you integrate some you 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 input into the site some very simple uh, demographic information the uh, year and you know date of your birth your birth country, uh, and your sex, and it tells you a few things about yourself like you know your your place in the world. Uh, how many people there were when we were born, how many people there are now, blah, blah. And, and as you scroll down, it culminates in telling you the day you will likely die, which is a bit of a downer. Um, but then what I found fascinating is at the very end, you can add your date of death to your calendar. And I thought, well, isn't that handy? Because not only do I want to know when I want to die, I can now set up some reminders, you know, 
you know, I have two weeks, I have one week, so. What, what does it mean the day you will likely die? I, I guess they just based on statistical analysis tell you your life expectancy based on your I age, am, the country you're in, and your sex, and a, and a, and a few other attributes. <laughs> yeah, but if you wanted to, it is quite handy. You can add it to your calendar. That's, that's true. That's, so you'll know. Utility. Yeah. Yes. I don't. I don't want like a self-fulfilling prophecy though. It's like I'll read it and be like, "Oh, the website told yeah. me." Yeah, so. it, yeah, for for sure, it's uh, it, it's Pandora's box right there. Um, but you know, but really, your real, yes. your real pick. <laughs> yes. So my my real pick, I, I came across. Um, yeah, we're 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 big fans of Slack. Uh, as per the sound effect a bit earlier and. You know, I, I've been having a lot of fun with Slackbot, programming it to, to do certain things. And But I haven't gone deep. You know, there's you can do full API and integrate it with a lot of different... Maybe we should tell people what Slack is. Great point. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. so uh, I don't know. I want... Sure. So, You're the Slack, uh, Slack, Slack is, uh, you know, I would describe it as an internal uh, communications tool uh, that uh, enables... Uh, team members to very easily uh, set up channels around a hashtag uh, to communicate about a given project or topic. And, um, you know, it's catching on. I, 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 there's been claims that it's the fastest growing software of all time. Quite the claim. The, uh, the way it was described to me. Please. Yeah. I actually haven't used it. But yeah. The way it was described Perfect. to me is like Facebook Messenger for offices. That was it. That's what I was told. It's pretty, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and I think, you know, the interesting thing uh, for many users, it's, I, I think, got a, a really strong interface and it's got really great personality. And it's, uh, it's, it's uh, quite hackable and extensible. Uh, and there's this uh, feature called Slackbot, which is a little bot that can uh, chime in on conversations. And, uh, and you can tell, you can program. Slackbot to to chime in based on keywords, right? Yeah, it's what you what you kind of do on your Friday nights. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like at 8, 8 p.m. Cindy's programming Slack to do hilarious things later. Like you'll never know when they'll show up. Slack bombs. Yes, and, 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 and hijinks ensue. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and that that's all good enough. But because there's API integration, you can start doing a lot more interesting things and. What we're starting to see is a lot of these uh, scripts that people are writing and sharing. And so, for example, I came across one that... So, so, so what is API integration? What is uh, so, basically, you're able to integrate... So, for example, by, by way of illustration, uh, let's say uh, through an API, you can integrate Slack and particularly Slackbot with a timesheets program where one tracks time working on a project. If Slackbot is able to tell that you haven't done your timesheets, it can tell you within Slack, you know, hey, Sandy, time to do your timesheets. And there are, in fact, scripts to encourage people to do their timesheets. Mm. Uh, there are scripts to help people write expense reports. There are scripts to enable Slackbot to be your personal assistant. And if you're talking about a meeting, it will say, would you like me to add that to your Google Calendar? Because through its API, it's connected with that. Slack is a lot more of a legitimate tool. I thought it was just yeah. something for uh, people that are bored in their offices to talk to each other on. Yeah, and you know, the one that I found that's interesting was a, uh, a workout tool for people who are you know, too busy uh, 
working and it will randomly remind it, uh, ask a team member to do push-ups or sit-ups. So it's, <laughs> it's functional, but it also has a great sense of humor. And it got me thinking the fact that it's a cute little bot enables it to maybe do things that otherwise within a corporate culture would be a bit trickier to do. Like if someone were to walk around telling people to do push-ups, push might not go over as well as a cute little software-based robot. But I'd, I'd still tell the robot <laughs> not to boss me properly. But. Yeah. There's a mix aversion to robots in general. Um. So, so I, I think there's real cool opportunities, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, building corporate culture, uh, you know, big component of digital marketing clearly is what can be done within Slack to do that. How can we reinforce the pound and grain values? Yes, I know what it is about you on the Poundcast. This is your second time, but like you invent... Uh, these thought leadership pieces on the fly. So your next article has to be that. Totally. Well, so are you writing that? You should be writing this. Yeah, it's it's locked in, dude. <laughs> but, but yeah, so so you know, like let's say there's a way to program. Like I don't know, someone commits to GitHub in time. Programmatically, you say, hey, great. Slackbot says, give him a hand, and everyone gives him a hand in Slack. Like that's. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, the flip side is this is a really interesting example of, uh, albeit light level, uh, AI, artificial intelligence being introduced into the workplace. So is this Cyberdyne? Was Cyberdyne initially Slack? Oh, boy. Oh yeah, I know. God. Did I just blow everyone's mind? Will, will Slackbot one day wear a suit of uh, fluid metal <laughs> and talk with a German accent? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it definitely... Again, the whole podcast just around that. I but like that, it. That's so. That's where I ended up. I like it. I thought I thought you were going to say, and that is the beginning of the end of my picks, and I have eight more to go. <laughs> no, sorry if I've turned this into a seven-hour podcast. <laughs> the, the last one was a doozy, though. Yeah, his, his uh, Sandy's ultimate pick. It yeah, was that was a great one. Yeah. yeah, and the future article that he's going to get to work on uh, this weekend. I'm starting now. Uh, how about you, Nick? Do you, do you have a pick to share? I mean, hard to keep up with Sandy's three picks. So she uh, <laughs> saved me for last. <laughs> I think, so my pick is just, uh, it's sort of hearkening back to something that we had talked about in the past. Ooh, I like it, a callback. A callback. <laughs> Facebook is testing emoji reactions. I saw that. So, no dislike button. The, uh, the rumors are true. Facebook emojis. Yeah. So it was like six different emote, like it, it was like yay or smileys and smileys. So I guess I'm angry. Yeah. yeah. So somebody, Makes sense. So somebody posts, you know, just uh, going through a terrible breakup or something like that. You don't have to give them the old thumbs up. <laughs> no, I don't like that. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I don't know really if a little, uh, you know, face is any more uh, uh, empathetic. Yeah. Then the like the, the thumbs up would be. Uh, I'm not really sure. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. Right now it's only in test mode in Ireland and Spain for some reason. So they have emojis first. They get emojis first. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll have to. Uh, in in the, what a diplomatic coup. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, apparently it's because uh, those are countries whose friend networks tend not to extend beyond national borders. Interestingly. Hmm. Wow. That's but, interesting. Yeah, I don't know why it is so true of so Ireland. So they're only friends with themselves. They're not friends. They don't like to branch out. So how's that linked to giving them emojis? Is that gonna is that gonna get them more social? No, it's just that they're closed test groups. 
Oh, so Facebook's <laughs> going to see how emojis right. fare in those two markets. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. It wasn't the, did the article you read, did it also talk about how like those emotions could then also like trigger the algorithm of Facebook? So like if you're using the emojis, then it would like programmatically using the, the algorithm deliver content that kind of lived up to those emotions? Wow. No, it didn't mention that I at thought, all. I, I thought I read that this morning too, that just like, <laughs> that's like step one is just giving the options of six emojis, the next step would be like, how do, how do those feelings actually translate into the experience you get and change the content that you'd see? Because if you're angry or sad, like maybe that's where you give them. So your Facebook feed becomes more intuitive based on Yeah, it like, emojis. Sort of like Slackbot in there. Like Slackbot, <laughs> the Facebook uh, algorithm will, you know, rise and fall your feed to happy, sad emotions. Wow. It's amazing, like, how little people will realize that these experiences are being catered to them. You know, they look at their Facebook feed and, and, and probably just, it'll look normal to them. They don't know that an algorithm is in place that is curating the content that they see based on an emoji that they use. That's yeah. just not something that they would consider. They're just like, oh, thank God I saw that my friend. Facebook knows me so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's why they're making money. Wow, uh, great. Uh, now I feel really nervous about my pick. It seems lackluster. I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, so I, because I'm obsessed with food, I saw a story about yet another food delivery service called Dashio. Mm. Pioneering in LA and San Francisco, of course, they get all the good stuff. But it's like simple text to Dashio. Tell them what you want, and they will deliver it to you. Now, here's the interesting thing. No app. It's not an app. Okay. There's, no, there's no complicated, you need to you know, pick what you want. You just uh, text them, hello, and then in the follow-up text, tell them what you want. Hmm. And they will just bring it for a delivery fee of about $4.99. And you know, they concentrate on the food side of things, but they'll get other stuff for you. So if you want like toilet paper, they'll get you toilet paper if you want. Like, so they'll just be your personal servant. Yeah, which I thought was like really interesting because it's not an mm-hmm. app. It's open from 10 in the morning to 10 at night. You can request whatever you want. But the crazy thing was the article um, also said like there's other text kind of services already out there that do mm-hmm. clothing. Um, there's another one um, that you just text and get whatever you want. And then I, for ours match up here, I also had forgotten about Fuji, F-O-O-J-I, mm. which was the emoji-based um, food delivery system. Where and you, how does that work? You text your emojis or tweet your emojis to Fuji, mm-hmm. like cookie, pizza, hot dog. And then they will go get those food items for you based on the emojis at like some outrageous price. So you can just like text them three emojis and then boom, you get pizza and... um, Do you have to use emojis? Yeah, it's Fuji. It's an emoji-based delivery system. So the original one, what was it called again? Dashio. Dashio. You know, was there like a a need, perceived need for uh, to jump out of the app? And I, they, they, is that well, that's what I thought. That's what got kind of hooked me was that just the, the the no app thing. You know, they signified as just like 
it's no frills, there's no complications, and there's no limits to what you can ask for within the app. Yeah. You're limited to based on what they put in the database of like what you could order with that with the simple text to someone. They're just like going out and fulfilling it. So, so this does does this already exist? Because it might. Can I just? Is there an app for me to just like uh, you know put put in grocery items that I want, and somebody will go and pick that stuff up for me and bring it to me? Or, or like, does Dashio like is it actually personal servant? Will he go? Yeah, I think like you can ask Amazon. Order. It's called yeah, Amazon. it's called Amazon. Yeah, but I think their big thing was that yeah, if you want a bottle of wine, I'll go get you a bottle of wine. If you want a burger, they'll go get you a burger from anywhere. This app should be called laziness. Yeah, that was during the uh, <laughs> back <laughs> during the initial uh, you know dot com mania. There, I, I can't remember the name of the place now, but. And I think they had a partnership with 7-Eleven where they guaranteed you can order anything and they'd guarantee delivery within a, an hour. Wow. And I remember there was a journalist who tried it out and he ordered like 27 cent items and they did it. Needless to say, uh, they went out of business fairly quickly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they promised to revolutionize that. And, you know, but now we do see you know, Amazon starting to introduce that type of service. Uh, probably there is a minimum order of more than 27 cents. Yeah. But, uh, I, there, there are times that I would pay for that service, definitely. The multitasking, I have stuff mm -hmm. to do. I yeah. time to go to the grocery store, okay. I don't want to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or if you're like me where if I don't act on something the moment I think about it, it could be gone forever. <laughs> so I'm like, but maybe this brings us back to uh, having our you know, buttons to push when we think of something. Yeah, you know? true. Yeah. But a text is like so simple. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. So that's digital picks. That's another edition of the Poundcast. The Poundcast. Sandy, thanks for uh, sticking around in Toronto and, uh, and uh, joining us again. Hey, uh, I loved it. You're addicted. I'm addicted. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're going to have to uh, get a video feed or for next time or something like that. How are we going to do that? We're going well, to get, get on from Vancouver. Yeah, we're going to figure it out. It shouldn't be too hard right no. now. No. Okay. I'll just move here. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Solve all of our problems. Great. Well, that was a, a great episode. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You can find the Poundcast in the iTunes Store. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn for your regular digital marketing news. And find our weekly wrap up of the best in digital marketing, the weekly wins, at poundandgrain.com every Friday. <laughs>